Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time and nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I am the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me on social media or my blog at I Never Liked Pink. So today, super fun episode because, excuse my French, we have a badass lady warrior here. Her name is Vicki Zarkin. And we are going to go through her journey of being initially diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, literally having over 30 different areas in her body that were affected. And at this point, I'm, I'm going to take a rough guess about 12 years ago. Is that right, Vicki? Yeah. Awesome. And she has taken this and she refused really what her doctor told her. And we're going to get into all of that because it's a great story. And she is here today because she was bound and determined to raise her kids and fight this stupid cancer that has been in her body. And now she is a life coach. She advocates for others. She's an author of a book called I am the one, which I mean, talk about a title. That is pretty amazing. She's a motivational speaker and so much more. So Vicki, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yes, super fun. This is my favorite part of the podcast is talking to women and finding out what they do and how they actually thrive after a cancer diagnosis, no matter what the obstacles and the odds. So please tell us a little bit about yourself, the non-cancer side. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm a mom of two. I have um, an elder son who's um, a music student in Florida and a younger daughter who <clears throat> is a business student in Indiana. I've so you guys married. are empty nesters. It was my first year. Ugh. My daughter just finished her first year of college. She was my youngest. So I had my first full year as an empty nester. I'm really glad she's home right now. <laughs> <laughs> My son was just gone for a week at camp and I desperately missed him and he's only 11. <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, really it gets, it's hard, but yeah, I mean, like she's, she like lays down with me at night cause I have oh. trouble sleeping and talks to me so that I can help me fall asleep. Oh, oh so that's glad the sweetest home. thing. Yeah, I know. Right. How lucky. So, um, and, uh, uh, I've been married 30 years. We just Congratulations. 30th wedding anniversary. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going on 12. I met my husband later in life. So I'm, I'm shooting for shooting for a long life so we can get to those dates, but it is not well, easy with later in life for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of work. It's worth it, but it is definitely work. Yeah. Yeah, marriage is work. And especially with me, I mean, the poor guy has to deal with the sick wife for 12 years. So. <laughs> well, obviously, he uh, he loves you and you're worth it. So let's kind of dig into your cancer story. Now, um, I know that your uh, initial diagnosis story is um, interesting, to say the least. So, oh, so tell us, yeah, tell us <laughs> how, what brought you to the doctor's office or to the point okay. where you had your diagnosis? Just to give you an idea of my background, I was somebody that was getting regular mammograms. Every year, 
um, since into my mid twenties because of just a benign incident that I had at that time. And, you know, they just wanted to keep an eye on me. So I tell you this so that you understand that I, prior to me um, discovering my cancer, I had my mammogram a year prior and it was hundred percent clean. So one year later, and it's like, it's everywhere. So that just to give you an idea of the aggressive nature of the type mm-hmm. of cancer I have. So given that background, so I had, um, uh, was, uh, going to Johns Hopkins, which is about a two hour drive for me. So they did like a month of testing before they actually staged me and, 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 and so forth. That was very grueling back and forth and back Mm. and forth. And then, you know, I came home to two small children that needed bath time and homework and, you know, play time and stuff. So it was, it was very difficult the not knowing. Well, the, the stress on your body alone and the emotions of that, Mm -hmm. that not knowing at the beginning was, was very difficult. But then, so then I finally, I'm told that they've chosen the best oncologist in all of Johns Hopkins for me, lucky me. And, uh, and um, he's um, been informed of all my tests and so forth, and then ready to um, discuss my diagnosis. So um, the three stooges, my mom, my husband <laughs> and I, who've been going back and forth and back and forth, we called ourselves the three stooges. So we're... Um, we're in his um, medical operatory. And just to give you an idea, my, my um, husband and my uh, mother are sitting to my left and he's talking <clears throat> in my book. I liken it to the peanuts character. And, you know, like he's not looking me in the eyes, not giving me any kind of, I mean, there's no connection there. And, you know, I'm just like not hearing anything that he's saying. And finally, he says, you know, I've consulted with all the best colleagues here at Johns Hopkins, and we've come to the same conclusion. You need to go home and get your affairs in order. What the hell? Right. I was like, whoa, back up. Like, I'm thinking, you know, this is breast cancer. Breast cancer is curable. I'm right. going in. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. You know, and he says, go home and die. And the Vicky that walked in the room died for sure. But the Vicky that you're talking to today appeared. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's what happened. And I literally flew across the room, lunged across the room, as I call it, but I like projectile across the room. And I grabbed him by his coat and I pulled him in really close and I said you talk about consulting all these other doctors but you didn't consult me what about what I want what about what I think I said I don't care what you cut off me what you stick in me I am going to be the one hence the book I said I'm going to make it and then I realized, oh my God, my hands are around. <laughs> oh my God, he's going to call security. So I like fully back and the room was really quiet. Of course, because they're all in shock. Like, oh my God, we all listen yeah. to our doctors and she's yeah. not listening to her doctor. You hit that nail on the head. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. See, as a woman, you understand that. Oh, 100%. It's because, called good patient syndrome. Right. We, and we're also bred. Yes. To, to, um, to, to believe that doctors are the all answer and we have no opinion. So, yeah, I was especially a a male doctor, excuse me, but the the patriarchy is also in play here. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so the room was really quiet. Um, cause you know, yeah, shocked and I was a little shocked. So, um, finally he looks up and he says, and he looks at me for the first time and he says, okay. I can't promise anything, but how about we start with chemotherapy? We'll see how you do and we'll go from there. Is that okay with you? (laughs) And I said, okay. Now, this is the thing. I knew right then and there that I was in a lot of hot water. I didn't know a lot about cancer at that point. I wasn't one of those people that had a lot of um, family members pass away from cancer. I really um, knew only the scary things that everybody else knew. I didn't really sure, know a sure. lot of details. And I knew I just was buying myself some time. If I had gone to another doctor at this point, I realized he was probably going to say the same thing. I was riddled in cancer. I mean, when he got down to, and I really understood, I mean, it was all over my mediastinum which was um, my neck, my uh, esophagus, my mammary glands, my whole chest wall, my left ventricle of my heart, the left lung, more lymph nodes than you could possibly count. It was wrapped around my nipple all through my breast. I mean, I was riddled in cancer. So it was not looking good for me. And so I immediately just went into fight mode because I walked out of there saying one thing, absolutely nobody is going to raise those children except me. Mama bear came out. Oh yeah. Those kids saved my life because, you know, bam. I mean, that's all I thought about. And then I immediately, I did you know, hit the ground researching and then went into um, like a a major fight mode. I call it my tunnel vision. And I didn't look right and I didn't look left. I just fought like hell. And, um, you know, took one day at a time. And, you know, from there I had to look for new treatment because the treatments that they were gonna be doing at Johns Hopkins wasn't going to heal me. It was just going to buy me time. I was going to raise my children. So other than, sorry, other than chemotherapy, what did you end up going through? I'm sure you've done all, all the things. Yeah, I've done it all. But I did the, the, the hard chemo and, um, it was very successful for me. And then from there I did a, um, double, uh, radical mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And um, in that time, Johns Hopkins wanted to do um, something called photon radiation. Photon radiation is the radiation that most people get. It's a large blast and it goes in one side and out through the back. Mm -hmm. There's tons of scatter. So they knew or they 
knew then, what I didn't know at that time, was that I would probably die of congestive heart failure rather than the cancer because of the scatter of the radiation. So I found a doctor that was willing to do proton radiation for me. Now, the big deal about that and the difference is proton radiation is a pinpoint radiation and it can stop on a dime and it can go around vital organs. The problem for me with proton radiation is proton radiation is normally used for brain cancer, prostate cancer, tiny little areas. My area was huge. It was my whole chest um, Mm -hmm. cavity. So um, no doctor was willing to do that. But I found one, a pediatric doctor, believe it or not, in Indiana that agreed to do the proton radiation treatment on me. And um, along with other things and, and, you know, frame of mind, you know, and all those sorts of things that come into um, play, that was a real life changer for me. Um, But, um, you know, so I was there for about five months and it was, you know, it was grueling treatment, grueling for the doctor. I mean, before I even arrived, he had 200 hours of mapping on me that he did before I even got there with my preliminary tests and, you know, all the, um, the, um, uh, plaster Paris, uh, stuff Mm -hmm. that they do and so forth. So, um, this doctor was a real godsend to, to me. Um, and, uh, you know, and then of course, fighting with the insurance companies, trying to explain to him, explain to them, no, just because it's not been used in this way doesn't mean it's experimental treatment. It's, you know, a, a tried true radiation treatment that's been around, you know, forever. And, um, you know, they're just more comfortable when it's, it's okay if they use it for, man's organs but god forbid they use it for female organs that's a whole whole separate podcast about the different things that if men went through if men went through hot flashes there would be no hot flashes there's there's, that's a whole separate discussion now so obviously you have gone through and you mentioned that you really didn't have anyone in your family but that had a family history did you ever do genetic testing we did and i'm still it Wow. Gosh. It's, it's, it's amazing and that everyone did it in the family. My, my aunt, mm-hmm. my sister, my cousins, my mother. Yeah. Yeah. I was. And, the, and yes, you are still going through treatment. I was, I was um, stalking your Instagram this morning and you did a day in the life of chemo recently. How often do you have to go in and do that? Every 28 days. Okay. That's not so bad. Yeah. You say it's not so bad, but then like, you have all these other doctor appointments. True. It's a full-time job. Yeah. Because the built up of the chemo has caused osteoporosis, rheumatoid arthritis. I have, um, um, uh, torn ligaments in my hip. My, uh, you know, I, I have, um, issues where I can't use my hands and my thing, my toes and, you know, with the neuropathy issues and, mm-hmm. um, uh, I have energy problems and, you know, I have a lot of limitations. I get taught, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is laying around and babying all those ailments 
isn't going to make them go away per right. se. So I like to just move on and, 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 you know, just go through my day. I, I, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you fought so hard to live. Why would you waste your time whining and complaining about stuff that hurts when you're living? Exactly. I've myself, I've just been diagnosed with osteoporosis. I've got neuropathy in my hands and my feet. Um, I'm actually just hit my five-year mark on my aromatase inhibitors and I might be done because my quality of life was incredibly sucky to the point where I couldn't do anything. But whenever I do complain to, to my husband, he's, you know, he gets all of it that, Oh, my hands hurt. My feet hurt. My knees hurt. I'm like, but it's better than the alternative because yeah. I'm here. I'm here to watch my son grow and right. to experience all the amazing things in life. And you, obviously you used your children as your motivation, but then you really had to find something inside you to, to become your own advocate. Like, yes, it was those words, like go get your affairs in order, but what really, how did you do that? How did you know? Like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that question, to be honest with you, because <coughs> I immediately just automatic. It was like instinct for me. Like a flip just switched. Yeah. Like, you know, the old Vicky died. She was not strong enough to handle what needed to come. And I'm here. I'm here to take care of business and I'm staying. I love that. That is the perfect time for us to take a quick break because we're going to jump into some other things afterwards. So listeners, please stay with us. If you need help, please go to breastfriends.org and see what we can do for you. And if you would like to help donate, you to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Sorry, I was having like cancer brain. Um, please donate on our website or you can text BF radio to 41444. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. My Care Crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day -day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Vicki Zarkin, Thriver, Metaviver, I guess we'll say, um, author of I Am The One, motivational coach, speaker. And we are here talking about her journey. Yes. And we're going to talk about her book, I Am The One, which you can find on Amazon and on Vicki's website, IamTheOne.com. And you can also go there to find a ton of other media and podcasts. And we're going to talk about her course that she's developed and for her life coaching, but she's pretty much just, um, if you're a Ted Lasso fan, she's a boss ass bitch. So ah, yay. I am a Ted Lasso fan too. Thank you. <laughs> I always have to throw that out there. Cause what people are like, I don't understand. Like just go watch Ted Lasso. You'll get it. Oh, so, um, it's so uplifting and fun. And, yeah, it is. And we need that in life. We and do. especially with, as we mentioned before break, you really right. struggle with a lot of pain and, you know, different things that are going through your body. So, now let's talk about really, if you have advice for others on how to navigate the healthcare system, because you mentioned prior that you had to fight with insurance companies about different treatments. And I really think that is such an, yes, they, they help pay for our care, but I think insurance companies are a huge obstacle to our care because if it's not standard by the book, it's a no. So right. how did oh, yeah. you deal with, with that? Well, I have an interesting story I can tell you, but I will say one thing first. I will say that um, I, I teach this course you had mentioned. It's called um, There's More to Cancer Than the Diagnosis. And I call it that because that's exactly how I felt from the beginning. You know, you think cancer is the worst thing that you're going to get, but quite honestly, navigating the cancer is a lot more difficult. And um, they don't have a course out there today that teaches you, you know, submit or gives you advice or like day in a life or what did you do? How do you tell your kids? Or how do you deal with the insurance companies? How do you be your own advocate? How do you find the right doctor? You know, these are all things that I discuss in my class as well as your question um, navigating the healthcare system because it is so tricky. And 75% of cancer patients are divorced and bankrupt. 75%. That's a really ugly statistic. It's a horrible statistic. I mean, 75%. I'm, I mean, the nurses said to me, how long have you been married? You know, 70% of, um, husbands leave or wives leave. Like, thanks. That's just what I needed to hear today. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. And they, they told me quite often. Yeah. But, but the fact is it's such a polarizing statistic and, um, and bankruptcy too. I mean, like I've got, Oh, I'm got medical bills up the wazoo, but, um, in terms of advice, other than taking my class, mm -hmm. a lot, there's a lot, you know, involved. I mean, you really have to, the first thing you have to do is pick your people and wipe out the white noise. That's what I say you have to do first, because what's happening is all your loved ones, family, friends, and so forth are all very upset and rightfully so you know you're well loved you know but all of this advice coming in 15 different angles is not 
good for you because it just makes you scared, confused, and lose your own voice and your own direction. So the first thing you need to do is pick your people, one for each year. You don't need any more. (laughs) And everybody else, you, you have to remember, you can't worry about hurting people's feelings. Your life is on the line. We are bred as women to not want to ruffle feathers, not want to hurt people's feelings. Remember people, please, please, I'm begging of you. You need to get that out of your mind because it's life or death, life or death. And you mentioned that I'm a coach. I am a coach and I hear a lot of stories and a lot of people that don't take the advice, which is fine, you know, not I'm here just to offer you suggestions. But the fact is, I'm the only one living today with this aggressive, particular aggressive form of cancer in the world. I'm it. So I'm told. Mm-hmm. That is really scary. And then bear in mind. 12 years later, I'm still the one. There is something terribly wrong with that. And so that's why I'm pounding the pavements. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I'm, you know, please hire me to speak. This is what I want to go out in the world to to tell people. I no longer want to stand alone. Other women have the right to tuck their kids into bed at night as I had that greatest, greatest gift that I cherish and thank God for. And other women have the right to stand shoulder to shoulder with me and take care of their children. So, you know, things have to change for healthcare, for women, for cancer. All of the above. I'm only one little lady, but you know what? I'm going to shout until I can't shout anymore. One little lady with a big mission. And that actually brings me to a question that I had that I wanted to talk about. You had made a promise to God when you were diagnosed. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. I made a promise to God that if I could raise my children, that I would help women. And um, about a year, my daughter was a senior in high school and we were, you know, deep into COVID. And um, I knew that she would be my last one out of the house in a year. And one would be the, that would be the best opportunity that I would have to now really dig deep and keep that promise to God in a big way. Like let's help lots of women, not just the somebody I dedicated organically, I would help somebody every day. And I've done that every day for as long as I've been living, but I want bigger impact. I want to help. I want to maybe change the face of healthcare if I can. And um, so I wrote the book. That was my first step. And I thought the book can help legitimize me so that I can stand on the book higher than just standing flat on the floor. 
It does. Okay. It, it definitely, I was talking to my husband about this recently and um, that is, you know, I have not gone through a, a challenging, I mean, yes, I've had breast cancer twice and it sucks, but yeah. I'm not still in active treatment 12 years later, but I do feel like I have things to share and I want to be an That's advocate cute. and I'm working on my own book. And I'm like, I have to get that finished. So I have that out there because it does give you legitimacy in certain arenas. And you yeah. obviously have a story to tell. And, and who, it, you know what? It was so cathartic, the cathartic, yes. cathartic for me writing it. So I definitely encourage you, even if it doesn't go anywhere there, I was changed forever when I wrote, wrote it on pages. Yeah. Um, and my family members were, you know, if, if anything, the most, I, I walked my family's footsteps when I wrote the book. And I came to the conclusion that they had it much more difficult than I did. Because it really affects everyone in the household. And that is yes. not talked about often enough. Yes. Our spouses, especially if you have a male partner, they yes. are, you know, we're There's not a lot they can do. No. And, and all they want to do is fix things there. Yes. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to take care of us and fix things right. and they can't, and they feel helpless. Helpless. Yeah. And look, I have a mother still living. I mean, can you imagine that was your, it was your child. You would, you'd be devastated. I can't even imagine if it were one of my children. So they all have it so much harder. And so writing the book gave me a sense of what they went through. And also, you know, I had blocked out, you know, 90% of what I had done to survive on my own. So, so, you know, there was just so many reasons for it, but, um, but I knew that I needed better purpose because I've been holding my children as a large part of my purpose. And I know myself well enough. And I don't say this for like, oh, poor me. Or I, it just is what it is. You know, when you're sick like me, you don't mess around. You say it like it is. You know who you are. So I say it not you know, for sympathy, I just say it how it is. And how it is, is I'm not enough for me to fight for. I need a bigger purpose. I'm not enough for me. I don't hold myself in enough esteem. You understand? So as most women don't. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a bigger purpose that I could be accountable for because it's my nature to fight for the little guy. Of course. So, so, um, by writing the book and speaking and coaching, I have given myself a new purpose and I'm a respecting that it's my children's turn to fly because they're and, young adults now and they're in yes, college and yes. And they're exploring all new things. And so, you know what? 30 years into my marriage, I can have a new lease too whether I'm sick or not, and I can decide, okay, I can make my, myself useful in other ways. And I have all of this. I didn't realize how much I had until I wrote the book. I have a lot of really, really helpful information. I mean, just solid, really good information. I mean, when you're sick like I am and going, you know, and it's over 12 years, there's not a lot that I haven't experienced. 
No, not. I mean, I've had 23 surgeries. Oh, bless you. I thought I was high at eight. (laughs) (laughs) Eight high. You are high. Never. I never tell anybody to compare themselves to me because I am the one. So it's very difficult to compare yourself to me. But um, I say that so that you can understand my motivation. And it's pure. And I really, really, really want to help people. I started an organization called, is this a great name? Lunge for Healthcare. Oh my God, that was literally my next question. Tell me about it. (laughs) We're on the same wavelength here. (laughs) Well, and that was one of the other things that I did to keep my promise to God and to help women. So I speak, I, 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 I will coach anybody that needs help. I've got this Zoom class that is fabulous for loved ones, for um, uh, family members, friends, uh, healthcare workers, and of course, cancer patients. I mean, those are my, the best, uh, I, I think the, the, the best people for my particular course. And I keep it small, just so you know, to 12, 10 to 12 people. So, you know, and don't worry about getting shut out. I will just teach, you know, three or four classes, you know, I can just run them, um, overlap them, but I want to keep each individual class small so that you can get everybody else's life lessons and we can feed off each other as a community. And oftentimes when you leave my class, you will have lifelong, uh, you know, friends and concerned individuals that probably are going through very similar things that you are. Of course, it and, means so much to have it's a community, a community of people, a community yep, who get it classes. Yeah, I'll start having like big graduation parties, you know, for reunions. And so people can see how who's doing what and how they're doing and and so forth. Um, but then the other part of that is lunch for healthcare. And Lunch for Healthcare, or if you want to get it online, lunchforhealthcare.org, I set that up so that I can go to the insurance companies and Congress and eventually, hopefully, change the insurance companies and the healthcare um, choices for women today. See, what a lot of the young women don't realize, and this is, you know, they're my real audience, because we want to educate our young girls and our daughters and our the ones that are coming up. We want them to be able to listen to their own ailments, tap in to their own health care concerns. That's like the number one thing that we teach for lunch for health care. And then the second is we ask doctors to listen first, diagnose second. And it is our belief that by changing those two things and just those two, we could save millions of dollars in preventative care because it'll be much less cutting. You're catching things a lot quicker. We're communicating better, less pill popping, on and on and on, much better for women, less women dying. I mean, isn't that what we're trying to that do? That is the ultimate goal. Ultimate goal. So then what we do is we go to insurance companies, we go to Congress, we say, look, we've just saved you millions of dollars in preventative medicine. Now, give us back. I'm only asking up front. First, you know, we always start small. 
give us back what you took. People don't realize we were getting mammograms every year. Now they're only paying every two years. They were paying for ovarian screenings. We're not getting ovarian screenings. They were paying for mammograms at 35. They're not paying them till 50, 55 now, depending on your insurance. I know that is insane to me. I mean, insane. Did you want to wait until we're all like stage four, stage three cancer? I mean, wouldn't you want to get rid of it at stage one or beyond stage, you know? So these are the things that we need to educate our society and then you know just ask nicely look we can prove that we've saved you all these dollars we're not asking for money we're asking just to give back what we saved you we're not asking for any special thing you know um they spend a lot of money on everybody else but us we get the short end of the stick and we're still not asking for much just human compassion some dignity and to be seen, like you said, in the, the big part of the, the two things, obviously, through the insurance companies and preventative education and funding, but also to be seen by your providers. Yes. Like you said, your, your doctor didn't even look at you until you literally had to grab him by the lapels and be like, hey, bud, like pay yeah. attention to right. me and to what yeah. I want. Right. So right. powerful. So we are going to take another quick break. Listeners, if you would like to be my guest or submit your warrior story to me, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Network comes in. Your host is Michelle Beck, a two-time breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, And most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Vicki Zarkin. She is the one. She has been living and thriving with metastatic breast cancer for over 12 years. And we've been talking about her journey and all the things that she has learned and what she really has to offer us now because she's developed this amazing course. Um, and Vicki, tell me again what the course is called. It's called um, There's More to Cancer Than the Diagnosis. Got it. That's exactly how I felt. 
Perfect. Well, because there is. And one of the things I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was listening to another podcast you were on and you were just talking about, yes, you thought that getting this diagnosis was the worst possible thing that was going to happen, but literally then you're, you're thrust into this whole navigation of my entire life has become treating and eradicating this cancer. And you know, you're it's, it's a full time job. I know, you know, I always tell people, I liken it to, I go to sleep at night, I wake up, I run up a hill, whether I'm, that hill is pain or fighting with doctors or going to doctors or, or <coughs> fighting with the insurance companies, whatever the case may be, it's every day I run up the hill, I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, I run back up that hill. It's just... You know, it's perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. It is. And I've talked to so many women who've gone through this and attitude and positivity makes such a huge difference. Like when you ask people, yeah, your, your doctor told you to get your affairs in order. And you basically said F no. Um, and I I have no idea where that came from, but it did. Because if you took his advice, you would not be I'd here. Be dead. If I had listened to him, I would be dead. If I had done the radiation, yeah. If I hadn't helped myself, I'd be dead. Now, that's not to say that um, the medical community is, is to be forgotten um, or they have no value. I'm not, I do not promote that. I'm not saying they have no value. I'm merely saying their value is better served with you than without you. Definitely. And you really need to, you need to be your own advocate. And that's, it's, it's something that cannot be expressed enough. Like we mentioned earlier, especially as women, we're taught to, to listen and not promote our, our, our cause and what we need to, but literally when it's life or death, there is no choice. And I know part of your course, and as a coach, you hear these women who, and you have, you have coach women who unfortunately have not made it and not 90% because not everyone is willing to take these steps to say, Hey, pay attention to me, see me. And they don't want to hurt. It's crazy. I can't tell you how many women don't want to hurt their doctors. I mean, and they don't say that, but that's what they're doing. Uh, I had a client that um, I coached and um, her husband was going to get treatment for um, uh, throat cancer. And she was when they when they came to me the um their treatment was scheduled and i suggested based on talking to them getting a second opinion because i felt that the quality of his life wasn't being considered but all i'm saying is can't hurt to get a second opinion and then go back and just go ahead and do the treatment that you wanted to do if you find that you were on the correct course, but we're talking about life or death here. Don't you want to cover all ground to leave no stone unturned prior to making the road less traveled, so to speak. And, um, you know, I, you know, what, what it comes down to is 
they're afraid like the doctor will get mad or right. he'll he'll I mean like we're talking uh, we have a hard enough time changing hairdressers yeah. and you know the fact yeah. that we're supposed to you know but it is so important if you don't feel that connection with your team or they're not listening to you or taking your concerns seriously you see a lot of women don't know that yeah. you, you, mm-hmm. see, you see what I'm saying it, you have to go even the step prior to what you just said, because it's the understanding of what you're doing. You know, you all like, you know, I wasn't born to um, trust myself, you know, I mean, I guess you are as a, a child, but you know, you grow out of that. And as an adult, you have all these sorts of fears and, and, you know, as a woman and how you were educated and so forth, this is something that we have to teach ourselves. And now we turn around and teach our young ones. I mean, you know, you teach your son and then, you know, he'll teach his daughters and he'll teach their wives. And, you know, you just, we just have to talk. Yeah. 100%. That is so important. Now, what obviously we've been talking a lot about what you want to accomplish with your course and your book, but I forgot to ask you earlier, who do you think is the main audience for your book? Well, I think most the main audience, the people that have liked it the most are, you know, thirties and forties. But, um, I do think a younger woman that my book is, I wrote my book very much like exactly step-by-step everything I went through. Mm -hmm. I'm very genuine in the book. I leave nothing out, but it's a very raw account. It's not a medical book like most cancer's books. Well, you're not a doctor. You're writing it from your point of view. Tell you what I went through so that you know what you can expect. Mm -hmm. And I have a very sarcastic, strange sense of humor. And so there's a lot of that in the book too. But the, the one thing is family and the, the um, you know, the family that, um, and the support that I've had that ribbons through the whole book and it's quite clear. But I think that younger people, what I had started to say, I think that younger people ultimately will benefit from this book because they're the ones that we need to educate because we're kind of like, over the hill, you know, it's unless you're given a death sentence like I am, it's very difficult to change the track of how you're living your life. Mm -hmm. So if we ultimately want to really make change, real change, we have to start with the younger girls. And so, you know, I would think there's not, there's some swear words in here. I will be, you know, because the, the younger, the pain, younger people swear more than we do at this well, point. Yeah. Well, I'm just telling, you know, the mothers out there, mm-hmm. because when you're going through pain, you swear. Oh, so yeah. I'm real. I'm real in the book. But so, you know, you might want to be, you know, 15 or older or something if they don't want their kids to read swear words. But let me tell you, there's nothing in the book that they can't read. And it's a good life lesson. And it's hopeful. Look, I'm still living. I'm still yes. here. I didn't die at the end. We all know this because I'm on the cover. So, um, so there's hope and joy and love in the book. 
because my motto has always been, and I was at a book signing yesterday or Saturday, and I talk about this and I mean it. And I say from the beginning, I'm the luckiest girl around. I just happen to have cancer. And I mean that because it sounds crazy, but I truly am lucky because A, I'm still here. B, I got to raise my children. And C, I still get to talk to all of you. How lucky is that? Yes. You know? 100%. And, and now that you, you're still raising your children because I think that lasts forever. Oh but- yeah. Like I said, I was just run my son's rent to some crazy place to get, yeah. but it's, yeah, you've, it's this, you're doing all this while you are still sick, but you have found such an amazing purpose to help those. So they don't have to go through what you've gone through. So, and my greatest hope. Definitely. And that's also, that's why I do this as well, because I want to be able to share the information from amazing women like you. Um, You're amazing. So share your experience too. You're a two-time survivor. You're badass. I mean, come on, give yourself some credit too. I mean, and then you do this wonderful podcast, which is a gift to women. How else would I be able to get my information out there if Oh no, Vicki, are you still there? Oh, here we go. We're back. Oh, you're back. Okay. We're back. You didn't hear anything I was saying. I was saying how an awesome badass that you are. No, I got a lot of that. Thank you. Oh, Don't okay. worry. I'll I'll trim that back. But no, <laughs> I I think I'm just so I'm so blessed and honored to have you here today, and to share your story and what you are still going through. If um, we talked earlier about lunge healthcare or lunge for healthcare, I'm sorry, and your website, if people want to help out for lunge, how can they do that? Well, there's a button on my website. You certainly can donate to lungeforhealthcare.org or you know what? I'll take volunteers. I'll take help. I mean, you know, you don't have to pay money to help other people. We can have a Zoom discussion. I can, you know, we can, we can, that you can give me suggestions. I don't know it all. I'm willing to learn. Maybe you want to teach me something. That's okay. Um, so then I also have an exercise video that I, um, I have available on my website if you want to purchase. And it's a joyous uh, you know, just way to use movement when you're told that you can have no movement. Mm-hmm. And I teach everybody in that exercise video how to make it their own so that you can make it to something maybe more relatable and personable for you. So it's a real joyful um, video. And there's like a 30 second spot on there to kind of give you an idea of what that's about. And then I do ha- offer my book for sale on my website, IamTheOne.com. I offer my courses you can purchase on IamTheOne.com. I do have all my social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all I am the one, um, Vicky, usually Vicky Zarkin, I'm the one Vicky Zarkin, I'm the one Vicky. Yeah, you're pretty yeah. easy to find out there. Yeah, just hit Vicky Zarkin and you're going to get all kinds of stuff that you probably don't even want. Oh, my <laughs> God, lady won't get out of my face. <laughs> now, Vicky, what is up next for you for the future? Well, I am going to be, I have chemo this week, but um, at the end of the week, I'm going away for two weeks with my family, which is nice. Good for Um, you. 
yeah, then I come back and it's back to work. So I've got a, a keynote in Florida nice. um, at the EL um, Palm uh, Spa and Resort. And um, I've just been given an award by IAOTP for, um, uh, oh gosh, what was that award for? Um, oh. Anyway, you got a I, fabulous I, I award. <laughs> It's like, it, it really like woman of the year or something. I mean, it was like so lovely. Um, and so I'm going to be busy, you know, speaking, teaching my class. Um, and living. Hopefully people write, you know, and invite me places. Yes, I'm going to be living. Most importantly, I do that well, I must say. <laughs> perfect. Well, I think that's our perfect end note. And gosh, Vicki, thank you so much for being here today. Listeners, I hope you've gotten a lot out of this. And I, I cannot recommend enough going to her website and seeing everything that Vicki has to offer at I Am The One and, and checking out the book because you will not regret it. You. Yes. Thanks so, for having me, everybody. Yes. Thank you. Listeners, if you need our help, please go to breastfriends.org and see what we can do for you. You can find our podcast on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And then the videos are also on the Breast Friends YouTube channel. If you would like to be my guest or share your warrior story with me, please email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to all my listeners in Richardson, Texas. I know you're out there because I see those numbers. So please email me and tell me how you're doing and how you like the show. I would really appreciate it. So we will be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.